and welcome back to the Scottish Rugby Podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog, uh, the only podcast that has ensured that all Scottish Rugby Podcasts are continuing throughout this period. Joining me this evening on this evening's special podcast, we have got John Anderson. Hi there, folks. And we're also joined by uh, Offside Line uh, contributor and rugby journalist Gary Heatley. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. So tonight... Um, we're still on lockdown. There's no actual rugby to speak of, although we are going to do hands in the ruck later on this evening to uh, touch on some recent developments in, in the world of rugby. Basically, uh, everyone's got bored, so uh, has had to stir up some sort of controversy. Um, but tonight what we're going to do is look at the best combined Scotland-Calcutta Cup winning 15 from 1990 onwards. So that includes... The following uh, squads, that's 1990, 2000, 2006, 2008 and 2018. We're only picking from the starting 15s of those sides. I have done a ruling since the last podcast when me and Rory were discussing this. I've allowed John and Gary to also pick from the 15 that were on the park when the 2019 game ended. Because in theory, although that game was a draw, that team won the match because they outscored England in the second half, essentially. We're not including the 2010 draw, because that was a hateful, hateful game. And I don't think the same rules apply to that. So, so bad, wasn't no. it? No. Oh, 15 man. all. The less said about that game, the better. So that's, that's what we're going to do tonight. Um, it's been quite interesting, actually, looking uh, through the squads, Gary. How, did you, how, how have you found it? It's been, I think, harder than I expected. Yeah, it's harder. And the first thing I would say is, you know, Again, you've talked about negativity. I actually realised how many good players we did have, we have had over the last 20, 20, 30 years. I mean, there's some some real tough, some real tough choices to be made in this in this selection. And uh, yeah, just and also some other names, I guess, that were thrown up that you you maybe had kind of seeped from the memory or you'd forgotten about, and, and that was their heyday, I guess. But you know, maybe two or three caps, and that was one of them. But uh, yeah, really, really interesting to look back at all the squads. Yeah, and John, I mean, even the kind of two thousand six, two thousand and eight teams weren't weren't bad on paper, were they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was there was certainly some decent talent in the team. Um, I, I was going to go with the negative point of uh, actually <laughs> look, looking through the squads and being like, "Oh God, did they? Oh, I can't believe they won they won a Calcutta Cup." I was actually thinking a, a, another feature would be players who didn't win a Calcutta Cup, and you could replace some of the names that we'll no doubt touch on tonight. And oh, man, some some hateful rugby players in there. <laughs> Well, I think the plan we're going to do is we're going to we're going to go through them one to fifteen because that makes the most logical sense. Um, now I don't know how you guys have gone about this. What what I've done is I'm I'm going to give you it by position they were selected in for the individual game. So I don't know. We we've had a couple of suggestions on Twitter of people who've um, done their own fifteens. There's been a few positional shenanigans with a couple <laughs> of them, um, and a few people who've not followed the rules. I mean, for example, David Masters selected WP Nell, but I don't think he's actually eligible for selection using he's our not, criteria. No, he's not. Um, and I, you know my view on this, Cammy. I, I spoke at, uh, quite quite passionate about this earlier on, that I'm not having no positional shenanigans in this. Yeah, he also selected Chris Patterson at wing, which is allowable, although he selected him on the wrong wing. <laughs> so, so we shall see. So... Um, we'll start with Loosehead, shall we? This was harder than I thought. So, I'll go through the names. 
and then I'll I'll get you to kind of give me your the way I've not actually done my fifteen. I'll I'll confess now. What I'm I'm thinking of doing is I'm going to choose on the night, and I can also kind of adjudicate on your selections as well. So what I want you to do, John and Gary, is try and persuade me to your way of thinking on this. So loose head, we got nineteen ninety was David Soul, two thousand Tom Smith, two thousand and six Gavin Kurt, who I will say at this point is a Berwick lad. So. A lot to do to persuade me uh, not to select Gavin Kerr. Uh, Alan Jacobson, Gordon Reid, and Gordon Reid again. So Gordon Reid in there twice because he was in the 2018 uh, starting 15 and he ended the match in 2019. Um, Gary, I'll start with you. Who have you gone for for your loose head? Yeah, it's a difficult one, as you said at the start there. I mean, I'd probably go for David Soul because it's the, the iconic nature of that game and the way he led that team and the way that all his teammates have spoken about that. But I mean... Tom Smith and Alan Jacobson, you know, superb servants for Scotland, and and Smith obviously with with the Lions as well. So, yeah, I mean, I'm quite kind of torn. Tom Smith potentially, but I think just David Soul because he captained that 1990 team, which was so so iconic, and the way that he did it on on that day, and the way he carried himself throughout his whole career. I think he potentially just gets the nod in that position. Yeah, when I was thinking about this earlier, John, I, I kind of was leaning that way. Because I think if you if you admit David Soul, then you're going to have to find a leader elsewhere in your team. So what what way have you gone with this? Yeah, so I, I was I was thinking down the same lines, and my my tactics for this uh, fantasy fifteen that we're putting together, um, I'm going to I'm going to be relying on a lot of kind of belligerence and um, you know a, a lot of kind of grit. So I, I had David Stowe as my first choice, and then Tom Smith as my second. Um, for me, I, I, I'm surprised you guys are saying this was a, a tough one because. I think those two for me stand kind of well above. If we put aside the Al Jacobson was a great servant, and you know we'll never we'll never hear a bad word said about Chunk, but let's put that aside. These two were head and shoulders above any of the other candidates for me. I think the interesting thing with it though is that David Soul's scrummaging wasn't. I mean, he was a very clever operator, but I don't think he was necessarily renowned for his scrummaging back in the day. He's obviously a very clever, good leader. I mean, we, one of the criteria set for this is we've got to imagine that these players are playing now. And that's not that we're going to take David Soul in 1990, David Soul, and parachute him into a test match now. We're imagining that they're playing today. They've had all the benefits that would come with the players these days in terms of fitness, conditioning, and the like. Um, I did, I mean... I think you're right. I think it's interesting. David Soul and Tom Smith, because of the Lions appearances, I think edge over yeah. Alan Jacobson. I think because of the way the scrum is these days, it's kind of interesting. I think those three in Soul, Smith and Alan Jacobson would, I think, could hold their own, Gary, in terms of the way that the scrum works now in that kind of, that it's more of a grapple than a, than a full-on shove. Yeah, no, I mean, that's obviously interesting in terms of, as you say, trying to move... Move foot forward thirty years, I guess. But yeah, I think it's uh, yeah, I think they could all they could all do. I mean, and uh, yeah, I think as you say, you need you need leaders and teams whatever you're in. And I think the way that so you know kind of galvanised the group of players he had at the time, it's shown in recent years. If you don't have you know that leadership, you can struggle. So I think yeah, just his all round kind of uh, his all round game would, would just edge it. I think. Yeah, and and all and all, I mean, all three probably the top three there that we've mentioned, John, all good and the loose as well. So they would kind of fit with yeah. the the modern the modern game plan that Scotland are trying to play. I'm not sure if that's the game plan you're going for today, John. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they, <laughs> yeah, they, they would they would be fine in the list. They would get about, and I, th- I think that I, 
thinking about your point about sort of parachuting someone in 30 years later, um, you know, if, if we can make a scrummager out of um, Dickinson uh, or England can make a scrummager out of Vinopola, then I'm fairly sure we could make a scrummager out of David So. So I think we'll be fine. Good. Okay, so David, so I'm I'm happy with that. You've 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 persuaded me. I was I was Aaron, Tom Smith or Alan Jacobson at one point, but you've you've both both turned me. So we'll go are, with we'll go are with you, are you sitting at your desk here with like a you know, unpopular opinion, changing my mind banner or something? Yes, Is that's it. You've like got to change tonight? Yeah, you know that I that we banner change. I think Alan Jacobson would 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 have would have David Soul for dinner to change <laughs> my mind. Would wreck him. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll go with. I'm going to bold the people that I'm uh, so I can remember. So to put this up on the on the site later, um, Hooker. Then John, I'll start with you. So we've got Kenny Mill, 1990, Steve Steve Brotherstone in 2000, Dougie Hall in 2006, Ross Ford 2008, Stuart McAnally 2018, and because he ended the match 2019, Fraser Brown. Now, I might I I, I will say. Had Stuart McNally not started the 2018 match, I would have allowed him in 2019 purely because, and I'm interested in your take on this, John. Purely because he that that solo try was was kind of the the, the real kind of spark that, that that had the turnaround for Scotland that year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, he he, it was it was one it was the performance for me that McNally uh, was obviously it was. was was kind of being talked about as a, as a leader and a, a captain within the team and it was the performance for me he really he grabbed that Scotland team that day by the scruff of the neck and pulled them back into that game um, just obviously with the try before half time and the fact that he you know made Owen Farrell totally outpaced him it makes it all the better um, but for, for me I've actually I've went with McAnally for, for my team uh, on, on this one um, I think he is the most complete player out of the options that we have. Um, sadly, I think the options are a bit slim, to be honest. Would you agree with that, Gary? That it's it's slim pickings here. I mean, Kenny Milne was was a decent uh, hooker back in the day. Yeah, Kenny Milne was, was obviously a great hooker, and obviously went on Lions tour. I mean, Ross Ford, you know, a century doesn't you know <laughs> opinion seems to you know doesn't. Well, favourite in his career, bizarrely, you know, he was a great servant for Scotland. Been as an all-round player, I think John's right. You know, McAnally has been that for Scotland. Obviously, that try in 2019, but you know, obviously struggled leadership-wise when we at the World Cup, and is still, still kind of proving himself. So I think it's a, it's a difficult one. I would, I would probably, I would probably have stuck with with Kenny Milne in this team if if that was my choice. But um, yeah, it's it's not the it's not the easiest position to pick from. I don't think. No, I mean, I think I'm I'm tempted to go Kenny Milne, just because um, of the just purely because he's a line. I think I think that, and I, and I think he 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 had the raw material to to play today in today's conditions. If if you know, obviously, if, with with the the coaching that's available today. So I'm I'm kind of with you, Gary. I think uh, I agree. I think Ross Ford's an interesting one because he kind of had a a, a late career blossoming. Um, under under Richard Cockrell, and it was kind of a, a shame his career was cut short in the way it was, because you wonder if someone had got hold of Ross Ford, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, kind of got hold of Ross Ford and you know properly give him that proper training. I mean, I think Stuart McAnally said, John, the you know he, he hadn't been through, he hadn't had, had a line out coach, you know, anyway, th- th- coach yeah. how to how to throw a throwing, in a throwing coach until Richard Cockrell come along. So you wonder, you know, and, yeah. you know, Ross Ford dropped a lot of weight; he was much more trim, so. 
there is that element to it of if someone had got hold of him earlier, whether or not he he could have could have been a contender. But I'm 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 swaying towards Kenny Milne. Have you got any any last ditch attempts to persuade me to go with Stuart McNally, John? Church. Do you know what? No, I'm I'm absolutely comfortable with that, and I think obviously, you know, if we're if we're going to apply the the sort of Townsend methodology to this as well, you know, we're picking partnerships there. These guys played together at the time, know each other quite well, you know. So I'm comfortable with that. I quite fancy the return to a one arm throw as well. I don't oh, know if that's yeah, legal that's yeah. these days, but it'd be good. Um, tight head then. So we've got Paul Burnell, 1990, Matty Stewart in 2000, who I'd completely forgot about. Bruce Douglas in 2006, who I can't even remember. Ewan Murray, the Reverend, in 2008. Simon Bergen in 2018 and 2019. Uh, Gary, I mean, it's uh, presumably you've gone between Burnell and Murray, right? Yeah, I mean, it's probably right. I mean, I would, I would probably go for Ewan Murray in this in this instance. I mean, he's, uh, again, perhaps a character that some people didn't quite... Um, Warm to understand, but in terms of scrummaging, he was uh, superb. And if you look at the, the the career he had, the clubs he played for, and the the Lions tour that he went on, he's obviously you know a, a, a very good a very good scrummager. And uh, yeah, I think it'd be between him and him and Paul Burnell. The other guys, obviously, um, you know Simon Bergen's been in and around the squad, but he's you know probably still third choice tight end at the minute for Scotland. And uh, yeah, so I, I would I would go for Ewan Murray in this in this instance. Yeah, I mean it's. A, it seems a bit. This is probably one of the easier choices, I think, John. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think you know, Ewan Murray in two thousand eight was probably the best scrummage in the world, and um, as long as this game, this fictional game that we're playing, is not on a Sunday, we're going to be fine. Um, <laughs> for, it's a very for, good for point. Us, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, we we hadn't considered this, so we'll, we'll have to just make sure the fixtures are are coming out in our favour. <laughs> Um, I, I've actually for my second team, I've I've just written not picking Simon Bergen um, because you know it's a bit of a statistical anomaly that he's crept in there twice when I I think giving him third choice Scotland uh, tight head is ah uh, yeah I mean maybe um, certainly not the third best we have available but world's fit is prop though. Ah oh, trademark yeah world fit is prop TM according to Gregor Townsend. Um, okay, so that was fair. Again, that, that was a, probably one of the more straightforward choices I think we'll have in this whole thing. Um, let's go to Locke. Now, it's quite it's quite hard, this, because it's four and five. So, and, and I know the positions are interchangeable, but by strict interpretation of how we're doing this, we are going to look at them in terms of who was named at four and who was named at five. Otherwise, it's just a free-for-all. So we'll start with four. So these are the players that played uh, in the number four shirt. We've got Chris Gray, 1990, Scott Murray, 2000, Scott McLeod, 2006, Nathan Hines, 2008, Gant Grillquist, 2018, and Ben Toulouse, 2019. Um, maybe an easy one, a straightforward one again, John, I'm guessing? I've went Scott Murray all day yeah, for this one. Ooh, controversial. Um, yeah, I know, but um, I'm I'm looking for Scott Murray was a very underrated um, second row uh, at the time. Amazing line out operator, um, great hands, good nose. Uh, yeah, Scott Murray does it for me. Would you agree, Gary? Because I mean, you got Nathan Hines in there, 2008 Nathan Hines as well. Yeah, I mean Hines was obviously that that sort of physical enforcer. But yeah, certainly I would I would have Scott Murray in this the team. I mean, it's interesting 
you know, I think he was because he was in the Scotland setup so young. You know, I think he was twenty one when he first came in. That you know, eighty seven caps, and you know, people <laughs> didn't quite realise maybe how, how consistent and how good he was at the time for for that squad that at long patches of that period weren't doing so well. So, yeah, I think I think Scott Murray for his longevity and consistency deserves to be in, in this team. Okay, I think I'm kind of outvoted on that. I was I was I was erring towards Nathan Hines, but then. Um, no, you, you've both you've both persuaded me. So we're going to Scott Scott Murray. You've got you've got to go a line out operator at four, and then we'll go with a we'll go in and force at five. Okay, well, 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 let's let's look at five then and see whether that that works then, John. So lock. Now this is quite hard. I think this is compared to the four shirt, the five shirt. I think is a harder choice because you've got Damien Crone in nineteen ninety, Richard Metcalf two thousand, but then Al Kellock in two thousand six. Scott McLeod, 2008, Johnny Gray in 2018, and again, Johnny Gray in 2019, who came on for Grant Gilchrist at the end of the game. Um, Gary, this is this is quite a hard one. So, I mean, Cronin, Kellogg, McLeod, Gray, these yeah, are no, all no, good Scotland players. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a difficult one. I mean, obviously, Kellogg did, did well for Scotland. He played in a, another sort of leader in the, in the pack, I guess he would be. Um, yeah, and Johnny Gray's obviously still... Still got loads to come from him, really, and you still feel he's got that extra gear. We just wonder when he's going to find it. Uh, I'd potentially go back in time and go with with Cronin in this one, um, just with the way that he, he played in that squad. But um, yeah, it's a difficult one, um, and I can understand why you two might not. <laughs> so yeah. um, I'd probably go for, for for Cronin. But if you're looking for an enforcer, as John says, then perhaps um, you know there's other guys could come into the mix as well. I, I mean, I'm, 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 I was erring towards Cronin when I was drawing up the list, John. Have you got? Are you, are you going with? It's quite hard because Johnny Gray. We've got Johnny Gray twice there. I mean, you could actually potentially with this the way we've done it, you could pick Scott McLeod at four and five <laughs> with the way I've, I've allowed the rules. Um, yeah, are you going I, with I Johnny Gray? I said I wouldn't mention uh, Richie Vernon, but Scott McLeod ain't no Richie Vernon. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Johnny Gray. Yeah, um, I think if you're putting so some of the players that I've got, particularly in the back row, um, if you're using a player like Johnny Gray just to make those consistent tackles, keep keep the defence honest, and just make sure that they're, you know, they're they're uh, the balls the balls going down to the deck plenty. Um, we, we gives us plenty of opportunities to use the guys we've got outside them. Uh, so no, a stat boy for me. Right, this is a this is a tough one for me because I've got so we've got we've got a splish. We've got dissent. So who do I go with? I mean, I'm. I think what sways it for me with this is that having watched the 1990 game recently, and then having gone through this and looked at the way that Scotland have traditionally won Calcutta Cup matches, we we've really had to be physical. And I know Johnny Gray puts the tackles in, but I'm going to go with Cronin because I think. He's nastier, and I'm not sure that Johnny Gray has the same edge. And I think that's what we've got. You've said yourself, John, earlier. We need a nasty team. You, you, we're trying to build a, yeah. a, a, a nasty team. So, Cronin for me edges it. That's fine because I think I mean Johnny Gray holds doors open for you and is a nice boy. I think Cronin, if if it meant winning a game, he would probably smash it in your face. So I'm happy with that. That's 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 what swayed it for me. That that that, that essential principle is what swayed that for me. 
<laughs> the door smashing. The principle. door smashing, yeah. Johnny Gray's too nice a boy to be in this team that we're building. Um, <laughs> Black, now the back, we're coming on the back row. Now this is a... There's some there's some nightmarish choices coming up here. <laughs> Let's start with six then. Um, blindside, we've got John Jeffrey, 1990, Jason White, 2000, Jason White, 2006, Al Strokosch, 2008, John Barkley, 2018, and Josh Strauss ended the game at six in 2019. Um, Gary, what have you done here? I mean, you've got, I mean, Jason. Pretty much, you've got three players there in Jeffrey White and Strokosh, all out of the same mould, and then you've got the curveball of John Barkley in there as a, as as a second open side option. Yeah, I mean, if we've had some other positions that were slightly lean, I guess this one's this one is tough as you as you said, some absolutely brilliant players there, and not many guys that would open the door for you, I don't think. But um, yeah, I probably would would go for Jason White just for the way that he. Well, played in a couple of those games in the way that he was an enforcer and a leader around the, around the park for Scotland at times. Uh, and yeah, I think he would get the help the guys get fired up more for this game. But yeah, I'd, I think John Jeffrey would push him, push him pretty close, but I would probably go for Jason White. What have you gone with here, John? So earlier on today, I had went with Jason White and then I had an epiphany um, <laughs> and, and thought, that 2018 John Barkley fits the way I want to play this game. Um, so Barkley in 2018 was what McAnally was in 2019. The way he read the situation regarding Nigel Owens, let's, let's, let's call it interpretation of the laws. Other people call it different things, but <laughs> Nigel had a, a particular view of what the breakdown was that day. And Barkley read that uh, and one is the game. We can all talk about Finn Russell's passing and Hugh Jones and all the other heroes of that day. The man for me that day was John Barkley um, and that's why he gets into this team for me. Oh, it's an interesting one. I mean, the, the, there is the um, the famous Jason White tackle on, um, was it Paul Saki? We yeah. actually smashed him. I think that was, I don't know, I think that was a 2008 Calcutta Cup match. I mean, it's interesting. Neither of you have gone with John Jeffrey. He's in my. He's he's my second choice now, actually. Yeah, uh, sitting in the seconds. Shame, really. It's a really hard one because, like you said, John, if you if you're taking this position by position, then you you might be tempted to go with with Jason White or John Jeffrey. But you, it's interesting that you've thought of this team and how it's going to play as a whole. So I can see Barkley being in there, but I'm still. I don't. Do you know, I'm going to split the vote. I'm going to go John Jeffrey here. <laughs> I'm taking the I'm taking the Damien Cronin factor into it. I just think I want a traditional abrasive six, and I I get the Jason White angle, but I don't. I think I think it's a hard thing. Like you, like we said before, is we're imagining parachuting. We're not parachuting these guys in. We're imagining what they might have been, and I don't. I just think for a Calcutta Cup match, John Jeffrey is the guy to get you up for it. If you're wanting abrasive six, though, you shouldn't really be looking past Al Strokosh. Well, that's very true. <laughs> I mean, yes. that, that, the guy built a career on just being an absolute yeah. abrasive plat. I can't, um, I can't decide between White and Barkley, though, so I'm going to go with John Jeffrey because it's easier. And I don't have to decide either way. <laughs> such, such a cop-out. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll go with seven 
then uh, the open side position. So you've got 1990, we've got Finlay Calder, 2000, Budge Pountney, 2006 and 2008 were Ali Hogg. There's actually a fair bit of consistency around the back row in uh, 2006, 2008. Yeah. And then we've got Hamish Watson in 2018 and 2019. I mean, it's quite, I think I'm, I'm quite pleased that um, in a way we don't have to decide um, about Jamie Ritchie at six, if I'm honest, although he might have edged <laughs> it for me if, if he'd uh, played in 2019. Um, John, I'll start with you. I mean, it, it, it's a fairly straight shot between Finlay Calder and Hamish Watson here, surely. Yeah, the the only uh, the only other one who I, I discounted Ali Hogg for all for all his talents. Um, yeah, he isn't on again on the same level as the other guys. Butch Pountney was an interesting one for me again. Kind of suits that that kind of he, he was a kind of traditional seven, really abrasive, good over the ball. But yeah, for me it was if, 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 there's no Butch Pountney t-shirts, is there? So it's <laughs> it's, it's pinball all the way here. Pinball for you. I mean, it's interesting what uh, John was saying there, I mean, Gary, in terms of 2006-2008, that when Scotland kind of had that period of about 10 years of not playing with a recognised open side. We were surprised, we haven't yeah. su- surprised not to see kind of Kelly Brown's name uh, appear somewhere in this period, but it probably I think it was that 10-year famine between 2008 and 2018 of no Calcutta Cup wins. Who? Yeah. How, how have you kind of chosen this? Have you? Did you find it was between Calder and Watson or did Pud? Pountney come into the reckoning? Um, no, I mean, as John mentioned, you know, Pountney was, uh, yeah, in his era, was a good player for Scotland. But, yeah, I think it was between between Calder and, and Watson. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not just trying to argue with John on these points, but uh, I, I'd, I'd actually gone for, for Calder in my team just with the way that he was he was playing in, those, uh, in 1990 and just the, the leadership, the calmness, the, the quality that he brings to the to the party, um, Hamish Watson, if he can touch wood, keep himself fit for the next wee while, is going to be absolutely, you know, superb and hopefully get a Lions tour. But I would just think at the minute that Calder would edge him in this team, but it's probably leaving you another difficult decision. <laughs> it is, and I think I think you make a fair point, Gary, and it's it it breaks my heart to do this. It absolutely does. <laughs> <laughs> Because I think you're right. I think the fact that Finlay Calder was a British and Irish line and Watson, I mean, to to some extent, Watson criminally has not been a British and Irish line because he should have been on that. I think he should have been on that last tour to New Zealand. Um, I think he was fit at the time, um, if memory serves. Cause he, well, he was, doesn't he? Because he played yeah, in Australia. Was, yeah, yeah. Can, yeah. can we invoke can we invoke Gatlin's law then? Just I, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> and I'm going to invoke Gatlin's law and say that Players that should have been picked but weren't because Warren Gatlin was in charge. Let's automatically make them lions, okay? So, so Hamish Watson's a lion, okay? There we go, sorted. No, oh, I can't invoke Gatlin's law in this case. I'm gonna. I I think because Finley Calder was one of the great Scottish players of all times. I I I think you have to have him in there, and I think it's that thing we were saying is it. I, I think he has the he had the raw materials to play at the top level today with you know with all the if he was enjoying all the benefits of play, as a player today. So it's a really tough decision, but I'm going with Finley Calder for that. And I'm, I'm you know I'm with, disgusted. With all apologies to Hamish Watson, please don't please don't block me on Twitter. To be fair, our, our listeners will all be really pleased that we're finally disagreeing about things. I know that's it. It's only the big criticism. <laughs> We're going to have to try and get some youngsters into this team somewhere, though, to be fair. I know. Looking a bit, 
<laughs> it is to be fair. I've, I've been uh, doing my best. I, I've I've got uh, a full spread of everyone within one one to eight here, but phew, it's all good, boys. It's all right. Good. So, um, number eight then. Um, this one, I, I don't think we're necessarily going to end up with any more youth in this one, if I'm honest. But we'll see where we go with it. We've got Derek White, 1990, Martin Leslie in 2000, Simon Taylor, 2006 and 2008. Ryan Wilson in 2018 and Magnus Bradbury 2019. Now it's for all we talk for all we've been critics of Ryan Wilson on this podcast John it's hard to overlook the fact of his 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 actions in the run up to the 2018 Calcutta Cup win and the fact that he he wound up half the England team going into the tunnel after the warm up. <laughs> he does have a special talent for that sort of thing, doesn't he? A particular um, set of skills. I will yeah, find you. Yes. I will track you down, and I will wind you up. <laughs> yeah, Wilson's an interesting one. Um, I think the the curveball here is if you could take Magnus Bradbury versus England in 2019, and that be his whole career, you would probably mm. pick him. However, yeah. it's not. Because he never plays like that, um, so it does kind of for me that rules him out. I'm, as it pains me to rule out Wilson, but you, you do have to say there's better players on that list. Um, yeah, I, I, so I, I've 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 went with Simon Taylor on this one. I think um, again, just from a from a back row balance, the guy the guy was a extreme talent uh, in a very very limited Scotland team. Yeah, I mean that's a good kind of point that that John makes there in terms of Simon Taylor, Gary. That that, that he was such a talent, probably really unlucky with injury as well. That he could have, you know, really should have got more caps than he did. Yeah, and he, I mean, and he, and he did get sixty odd, I think. So you know, he's still, yeah, he, he, again, a guy that came into the the setup very young, and yeah, just had that kind of rugby. Real rugby brain about him. I think played two World Cups. Obviously, Lions would have his injuries and things. Um, so yeah, we I would agree with John on this one with, with Taylor for sure. I mean, he's uh, yeah, he was he, he was a great player and, and but wasn't the best the best of years. That and a good a good ball carrier. Um, still still only just turned forty. I think so. Could probably still yeah, he's still playing. still probably been a bit of a shift to be fair. So um, yeah, yeah, I'd go for Taylor as well. Okay, I'm happy with that. I'll go with Taylor. Um, we'll, we'll move into the backs then. Um, Scrum halves. I mean, I think this just goes to show what how stacked the um, you know the, the scrum half position has always been for Scotland, and it's never really been a problem that we've we've struggled with Gary. Um, so we we've got Gary Armstrong, nineteen ninety, Andy Nicholl, two thousand, Mike Blair in two thousand six and two thousand and eight, and then we've got Greg Laidlaw in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen because he ended the match in twenty nineteen. What? How, how have you gone about deciding on your scrum half, Gary? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a pretty difficult one because I think that. You know that list is obviously very good. I mean, um, you know Blair was very, very consistent during that period. Same as Simon Taylor when the team were perhaps as, you know, firing all cylinders. And uh, you know Armstrong is undoubtedly one of Scotland's sort of you know, best ever players. I guess it also depends on who you're going to be picking at ten. If you, you know for, for kicking wise, if you want Greg on Greg available to, to help out with that duty as or, well. Or but, fourteen. Yeah. Or fourteen. That's a good point. Yes, very true. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I, I would probably go for Gary Armstrong in this in this uh, instance, um, just with the, the way that he played, the way the team liked to play. At the minute, if he was still around, I think it, he would be uh, exciting to watch in, 
in 2020. I know he made a comeback for Stumel threes a couple of years ago, but I'm not sure <laughs> he was at the same, the same pace as he was in 1990. But yeah, I think Armstrong, it'd be great to see him great to see him play behind that pack that we just mentioned. Okay. Uh, John, how have you gone here? So I've actually thought the other way and thought about the scrum half I would most like to see with the backs I'm about to pick. Um, and uh, yeah, Mike Blair for me um, again, as you said, criminally underrated in a a, a dreadful Scotland team of the time. Um, very very clever rugby player as well. Could could play comfortably at nine and ten. Um, for for me, he Armstrong Armstrong was amazing and would he's he's my second pick on here. I was so annoyed when I was looking through the replacements though because I was thinking, how do I want to play with these backs? Fast, 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 right? Ali Price is my man. Ah, he got subbed off for Greg Laidlaw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it was quite frustrating. But yeah, for me, Blair, Blair with uh, if Blair was to go down injured, I would have had Armstrong in there. It's a hard choice you've left me with here. So between Blair and, and and Armstrong, I don't. I I think you're right. I think I think I'd, uh, as great a servant as as um, Laidlaw has been to um, Scotland, and I think I can't even invoke the the Lions Law here because I don't because they're all are they all Lions? Andy Nicol played for the Lions, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. yeah so every single dead, every yeah. every single player there is a British and Irish Lion, so I can't even invoke the the. I don't even have to apply the Gatland Law here, John. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to choose. I think I I'm kind of I'm swaying towards Gary Armstrong over my. You're just play. being you're just being nice to the guest. I I see what's <laughs> happening here. Well, do you know what is? Do you know do you know how I've, how I've decided this? I've I've invoked I've invo- I've invoked the Jed Law. Oh come <laughs> on! He's a good borders lad. That's what it's come down to. Even doubt, can, pick can, the lad from the borders. That's that's essential. Go on. to that, Mike Blair was a coach at Glasgow, and most of the backs I've picked have played at Glasgow when he was coaching. So you've got to go, Blair. He's familiar with all the backs. No. Ah. It doesn't doesn't trump the fact that um doesn't trump the but my borders law. Even doubt, pick the lad from the borders. That's. Only if in doubt, I have to say. So we're going with Gary Armstrong at nine. Like, it's, it's it's not a young team. This maybe we'll we'll see how we get on with the rest of the squad. Fly half. I think this will be. I mean, there's good contenders here, but I think this will be fairly straightforward. I think so. We've got Craig Chalmers, nineteen ninety. Duncan Hodge in two thousand. Dan Parks, two thousand six. Inexplicably, Chris Patterson in two thousand and eight. <laughs> And then Finn Russell in 2018 and 2019. Um, Gary, I mean, Craig Chalmers probably, I mean, comes into contention. I, I don't think Hodge Parks and certainly not Patterson are anywhere near contention, but but presumably Finn Russell runs away with this. Yeah, I mean, I mean obviously Hodge had his, had his day in the sun 20 years ago the other day. But yeah, I mean, for me, Russell would be... Barring what's going on at the minute, obviously he would be the man for this this team, and yeah, I would like to see him and Armstrong together. I think it'd be yeah similar to similar to sort of him and Price together, I guess. But just uh, yeah, the things Finn can do f- to, to set, which will, which will be a I'm imagining an exciting backline up. Will uh, and the things he's done in the matches he played against England. Yeah, Finn Finn for me would be in this team. Yeah, do you, I, I'm assuming you agree with that, John. Well, I, I was going to have Parks just kick us about the park, to be honest. And, um, just play, <laughs> Go play for territory. territory. 
Yep. Um, that was always my... No, of course, it's Russell. Russell, hands down. Um, it was interesting looking at the replacements for, for some of the... Um, particularly the sort of mid-noughties games. Um, a certain Gordon Ross sneaked on there as a Calcutta Cup winner. Um, just show again shows the 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 depth of or dearth of talent we've had at ten uh, over the years. Uh, but no, I mean it's hands down Finn Russell, and um, there's a reason that everyone says he's you know the the, the best fly half of Hadson's Rutherford. Um, yeah, I think out of all of this, I think Chris Patterson has won the most Calcutta Cups out of all of the people um, that we're talking about. Because he played, yeah, he he played. He he was in the two thousand squad, which we'll come on to in a minute. He played in two thousand and six, and he played in two thousand and eight. So he won three Calcutta Cups in that period. I don't go. think I've got anybody else's who's popped yeah, up three right. times on the list. So that's, I mean, it'd be presumably, so Kevin Miller, presumably somewhere as a spreadsheet of um, Calcutta Cup winning Scotland players. So I don't. I would imagine three three some sort of record. But by by sort of. Surely, by proportional uh, situation, though, because the number of Calcutta Cups. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, he's he's, he's played in about 107 Calcutta Cups. (laughs) He was going to win one at some point. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So that's fairly. So we've got Finn Russell at uh, ten. That's a fairly straightforward choice there. Um, Left wing, then. So this is the eleven shirt. So I've got these are all these. Obviously, wings can be interchangeable, but we we've. This is the list of people who were selected at 11 in the games we're looking at. So we've got Uwen Tukolo uh, in 1990, Glenn Metcalf, 2000, Sean Lamont, 2006, Nicky Walker, 2008, Sean Maitland in 2018, and then Byron McGuigan in 2019, who played the entire match in 2019, which surprised me slightly. Um, who have you gone with here then, Gary? Because, I mean, there's, it's not... It's one of the less challenging decisions, but there's still a couple of um, hard choices there. Yeah, no, it's um, as you say. It was interesting to to note that, that we were going to actually played the full game last uh, last year, which I had sort of slipped my mind. And yeah, some some interesting ones here. I guess yeah, I'm not sure how this will go down. I would probably go for Glenn Metcalf. Um, from what I know of him, when he was around Scotland, that the way his teammate ex teammates talk about him, how how talented he was, a sort of extra fullback, if you like, as well, with a good boot and a good rugby brain. You know, perhaps wing wasn't his his best position, but I think getting him into the team somewhere would be would be good. Obviously, Sean Maitland would push push him close. I mean, he's obviously his try record for Scotland. He seems to yeah, everything he touches seems to turn to tries in a minute. So I'd imagine Maitland might get the nod, but I would probably go for Metcalf. But it's probably a left left field decision. Yeah, it's a hard one, John. I mean, are we ignoring uh, orange gloves, blonde tinted, two thousand and six, Sean the one? <laughs> Uh, sadly, yeah. Um, as much as I would like to see him, and I mean, he could he could have done a, a shift at thirteen for us. He could have done a shift in the back row. Um, you know, if we were going for versatility, then orange, orange gloves would be in there. Um, but no, for for the same reasons that you've you've stated, I, I've went with Sean Maitland. Now I think Glenn Metcalf's a, a, a cracking shout and would very much do a job in in this team, but. I think in one of the previous podcasts we've done, Cam, we were talking about the kind of the player of the, the the player of the decade for Scotland, and I think I voted for Sean Maitland purely for I think I think Maitland changed probably more than he's given credit for changed Scotland 
because we started scoring tries. People credit Visser with you know finding his way to the line. Maitland gave us that intelligence and that ability to start scoring tries. Um, and for me, that that's as good a reason as any to have him in this team. Oh no, this is yeah, a I hard John, one. I think John's. I think John's probably right there. To be honest, yeah. I think about it. Well, yeah, well, I just think it's as we also both mentioned, Metcalf would have been a good option somewhere around the squad. But Maitland's last two years or so, and he probably is underrated, as John mentioned, which is quite strange given the number of tries he has scored. So, yeah, yeah I'm not trying to make your job easy, but I'd probably yeah, Maitland. Would be. Well, it does make my my job slightly easier because they're both from New Zealand originally, so I can't invoke the borders law. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nicky Walker could be in there. True, yeah. I don't. I don't think I can go that. I only said if the choice was hard. I didn't. I didn't say it was an option. Just, just, just being from the borders doesn't automatically uh, get you in my team. I think. I think to be fair, I think probably Sean Maitland does do it because I think you're right, John. I think him him coming in really kind of made a number of players step up um, yes. for Scotland. I mean, I remember. I you know I was at the. I remember his date. I think his debut was in a Calcutta Cup match in against uh, in Twickenham. I think I was at that game. And he's a really he's I I don't think he's ever had a bad game for Scotland. I'm not saying he's every time he's he's took taken to the pitch he's been you know world class or anything, but he's he never really has had a bad game. There's been games where he's gone missing, but he's always had an okay game for Scotland. And when he has his best games, you don't necessarily notice what he's doing a lot of the time. But that's you know that's part of being a winger. I think sometimes that you yeah. you know. You, you you rely on everyone else to bring you into the team, but like you said, he's, Gary, he's, I think he's, he's, he's he scores tries for fun. Yeah. So let's we'll, we'll go with Sean Maitland then on the left wing, inside centre. Then this I think is this is hard. I think for, for, because I think there is really only really one option because I'm not. It's it's not necessarily the strongest position in the whole 15 that we have in terms of the contenders. So we've got Sean Lanine at 1990, James McLaren 2000, Andrew Henderson 2006, Graham Morrison 2008, Pete Horn 2018, and then Sam Johnson 2019. Um, Gary, I'll start with you. Who have you gone with for your inside centre? Yeah, again, I'm probably, <laughs> I would probably go with, with Sean Lanine, but given the way that Johnson played in 2019, you know, obviously he'd had a superb game down at Twickenham and since then it seems to have become one of the Townsend's first first picks I just think with the way that Lenin came in from from New Zealand and, and grabbed that position and you know the way him and him and Hastings and, and Chambers inside him kind of linked up and obviously they're not going to be in the side so that makes a difference uh, and just his sort of direct direct running at 12 and his uh, defence as well was, was superb so I would probably go for Lenin albeit he only did get you know, I think it was 29 caps for, for Scotland, but I would probably go for Lenin, but I can understand why Sam Johnson at the minute is making a big big run for, for this position and potentially more. It's interesting, isn't it, John? Because it, it, essentially they, they, they sound very similar in terms of their, their playing style, style, kind of direct runners. You know, jo- Johnson, we said before, doesn't have the gas, but he does break the gain line. His defence is very good. It, it's It's really between those two, isn't it? Yeah, I'm going to go with a hold my beer moment here. Oh. Um, is that, uh, yeah, uh, I picked Pete Horn. Um, and I, I'll tell you why <laughs> I picked Pete Horn. Um, so, Pete, Pete Horn, 2017, 2018. Um, again, so many fans give Pete Horn a hard time for what he does. But at 12, Pete Horn gives you that second distributor. He's got left, he's left footed. He um, he takes the pressure off of your playmaker, 
Um, and he gives you that wee bit of consistency. So you've got you've got Russell doing all sorts of mad cat stuff. You just take a wee bit of pressure off him and have Horn fizz a pass out wide or you know, bring bring someone into the game. Scotland's best wins under Townsend have come with Pete Horn at 12 for the most part. So thinking back to the 2017-2018 version, I would have Horn in the team. Yeah, I mean, I certainly think he's I certainly think he's a great foil for Finn. I think he, you know, there was that meme of, of Greg Laylos or babysitting Finn. I think, yeah, I, think yeah. I think Pete Horn certainly certainly does that or did that in his early part of his career. And yeah, I think he is very underrated by, by a lot of fans. So I think he's worth a shout, but I would I would still go for Lenin at Canada, I don't know what you're thinking. Oh, this is a hard one, this. Um You're gonna go Johnson now, aren't you? I don't know if I am going to go Johnson now because you both you've both kind of talked me out of Johnson and I've kind of talked myself out of him as well because of his lack of pace. <laughs> and well, I you think you got to go Graham Morrison then. I know, yeah, straight that's it. Straight up, that's it. Andrew, Andrew, Andrew Henderson. Um, I don't know. I it, it's it's very hard this one. I, I think I'm going to go for Pete Horn because I've got to invoke the borders clause and he did play for Melrose for a season. <laughs> Because I can't choose between the two, if I'm honest. I think I think you make a very good point about Sean Lanine, Um, But we, I come back to looking at this as a team as a whole. And if we're picking Finn at 12, then... 10. At 10, sorry. Then 12. Pete Horn f- slots in nicely at 12. And you've got an yeah, established I mean, combination I, there. I certainly rate Pete as a player. I, I just... This selection is going to get you a lot of tweets, I can imagine. Oh yeah, no, I I, I know. But it's also important that we. Um, it's important that I can head headline this. You won't guess who we picked at twelve? Question mark. <laughs> so we get the clicks in. Um, I just yeah. I mean, he's got uh, there's a certain kind of opportun opportunism to Pete Horn, and it, and I think Pete Horn actually is a very strong defender. I don't think he gets enough credit yes. for for how hard he tackles sometimes and. Uh, you know, I, I think he's been picked up a couple of times for some of the missed tackles he's made, but those when you look back at them, those haven't necessarily been... They've been down to sort of good defence from the opposition um, or, or, and they've not entirely been his fault. So I'm going to I'm gonna go with Pete Horn and I know that'll get us all sorts of um, letters bush. It'll also <laughs> generate some clicks. So let's... Uh, <laughs> Let's let's go with that. You can blame you can blame me, Cammy. I I brought I I put my beer to the side. And you did. You you head. brought you brought it him was up. Down to two, and I brought him up. So yeah, my my bad. And I came up with the borders law off the top of my head about three positions ago. So I've had to yeah, fight by it. Actually, it's impacted two of my selections so far. So I, I'm due one. So <laughs> this is this is fine. Outside centre, then. I think this is going to be between two. Through two, possibly three players, depending on how, how you've gone about this. We've got Scott Hastings, 1990, Gregor Townsend, 2000, Marcus Tirolo, 2006, Simon Webster, 2008, Hugh Jones, 2018, and then Chris Harrison, 2019, who, who finished the match. Now, interestingly, can you have, John, can you have Gregor Townsend and Finn Russell in the same 15? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> um, he, he, he hasn't made my first 15. Um, in this instance, but can you imagine? Um, I think it would be like, I mean, would it be like Big Cats at a rave? Are we allowed to say that? Lions at a rave. Uh, would it get a Netflix documentary? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I 
I mean, it would just be absolutely Tiger, Tiger King at a rave. Yeah, you'd be Tiger. giving you'd, you'd be giving Pete Horn a really tough job if he was in between those two. To be <laughs> <laughs> Pete, look after these two. We've got to stop them from doing mad stuff and also stop them from fighting halfway through the match. <laughs> oh, I mean, it would be worth the admission price if nothing else. Yeah. So who have you gone for then, John? Uh, so I went with a, a, a 2018 vintage Hugh Jones. Um, again, just you look back at that that performance at Murrayfield, uh, and the, it was interesting actually watching the the Scotland obviously as SRU put up the the Scotland Australia game uh, up on YouTube to to fill the gap uh, in our rugby experiences just now, and watching Hugh Jones the lines the guy runs and just just a beautiful beautiful outside center um for for me again just fits perfectly in with that if you've got two playmakers just working defenses to find that point where you can unleash him um it's it, it's ideal i mean i i considered both hastings and townsend for uh for the kind of second string but yeah for me a huge odds Hugh Jones. I mean, it's an interesting one, Gary. We might get letters over this if I was to go with it because defensively it does perhaps leave you slightly weak, although I suppose 2018 Hugh Jones was was on fire. Who have you gone for? Yeah, I mean, I think the way I think the way Jones kind of pitched it there is is, is kind of swaying me a bit, to be fair. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Hastings and, and Townsend are obviously the others in contention, really, for the, for the spot. Um, and I, but I think you're giving that in the from one to nine, we didn't have anyone under forty. We're now going for the youngsters in this background. <laughs> we all, we all want Hugh Jones to get back to where he was, and maybe this, maybe this selection will get him there. You know, if he sees this on Instagram or Twitter, he could. Uh, this could be the boost he needs. So yeah, I, you know, when I watched back that game from twenty eighteen, he was just amazing, and as John said, the lines he runs are just superb. So yeah, let's let's go for Hugh Jones. Hugh Jones. Or I would go for Hugh Jones. You. you you well, I think I'm, I'm. I think. Well, I don't think I need to make the casting vote. I think we go with Hugh Jones at outside centre. I think again, you've got that. It is a. It is that. Tw- I mean, I suppose then we're going for the 2018, 10, 10, 12, 13 combination. So if we again, if we're looking at this as a team, that's not that's not a bad option to go with. If we're building a team rather than kind of talking about who's best in the position, so it's interesting. Let's go, we'll, we'll go with Hugh Jones there if we've we've picked. So then we've got the that kind of that kind of spine across the back line there. Um, right wing then fourteen. I think again this is probably going to come down to two, um, but the possibly three maybe here. We've got Tony Stanger nineteen ninety, Craig Moyer in two thousand, inexplicably Chris Patterson in two thousand and six, Rory Ramont two thousand and eight, Tommy Seymour twenty eighteen, and then Darcy Graham Prince of Hoyk in twenty nineteen. Gary, this is a, I think this is quite a hard one. Yeah, it's a, it's a very difficult one. I mean, you see, most recently, you know, Darcy in that game at Twickenham really, you know, helped to change that around. The, the two tries he scored in that game were, were superb, and you know, that was where he kind of came came alive. Really, um, yeah. There's some some great options there. I think again, Seymour was probably underrated in his Scotland career with what he what he gave to Scotland and what he again like Maitland what he brought to at a certain time what he brought to the team. Um, you know, Chris Patterson obviously. Centurion is sold as you like. I guess it depends if you, who you're putting at 15. But yeah, I think Patterson will have a shout. But if you're you know, continuing with this, this kind of exciting backline, but um, 
I would probably go for Chris Patterson at 14 um, because I, I think he deserves to be in, in the team. But um, it's a very hard choice in this in this instance. Yeah, interesting, John. Who have you gone with here? Yeah, so the the contenders for me. So like like I like you say with Sean Maitland. I think if if Sean Maitland didn't come to Scotland, Tommy Seymour doesn't have anywhere near as good a career as he's had. I think Seymour learned so much from the way Sean Maitland played the game, and what was a fantastic servant for Scotland and is a fantastic servant for Glasgow. Um, Darcy Graham, if you if you want just pure electricity, you put Darcy Graham in that team and just watch it sizzle. But thinking about it from a pragmatic perspective, we're not necessarily going to be scoring tries all over the place. We need a goal kicker. Finn Russell's a decent goal kicker. We haven't picked Greg Laidlaw, but if you if you're looking for a man to knock them over, you've got to put Chris Patterson in there. So for me, he comes in at fourteen. And let's not forget, he wasn't a bad winger. He wasn't a bad winger. He could defend. He wasn't, but I feel like we're going to get letters over this. <laughs> we're, we're already like we're stacking letters. By I'm now, between. Mate. I'm between. See, I'm between Darcy Graham and Tony Stanger. Because not, and this isn't just the Boris bias coming through again, because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is an element of that. It sounds like it though. Yeah, well, it's a very good point. I mean, Stanger obviously scoring that try. You know, we didn't, I didn't even mention him there. I mean, he's obviously needs to be in the mix somewhere. But, I know. just, yeah, I, I, I don't for a second underestimate what a good player Chris Patterson could have been with the right team around him. But I don't, I don't think you can overlook what Tony Stanger or Darcy Graham. Would would add. I mean, the difficulty I've got is if I'm invoking my own Lions rule, then Tony Stanger gets the nod because he was in the '97 Lions squad. However, Darcy Graham hasn't. It's not the same as Hamish Watson because he hasn't yet be, had an opportunity to be overlooked by Warren Gatland yet. <laughs> I'm I'm going I'm going to I'm going to throw a curveball. I'm going with Darcy Graham on potential, and because we need some youth in this team at some point. So I'm going to go with Darcy Graham. I'm going to I'm going to overrule you both. See when we lose because Finn hits the post with a last minute penalty now, can we? I am holding you completely responsible. <laughs> well, we still have we still potentially have. Although I say we potentially have another option, but let's go. You've, Chris Patterson's got another run coming up. Here we go. It's his third. It's his third <laughs> chance. So, fullback. 1990, <laughs> Gavin Hastings. 2000, Chris Patterson. Uh, 2006 and 2008, Hugo Southwell. Hugo Southwell inexplicably has won two Calcutta Cups. Stuart Hogg, 2018. And curveball, Adam Hastings, 2019. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's interesting the options you've got there, Gary. Um, I mean, obviously Stuart Hogg's the front runner, but I mean, Gavin Hastings, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit for big Gav to, to not perhaps make the squad kind of say his goal kicking as well but I just feel that you know Hoggy the way he's you know he's playing he's still like 27 you know he's still he's going to get to 100 caps before we know it and he's yeah that try against Italy this year for example and just the way he's started his captaincy I think yeah if we're going with this young back line Stuart Hogg has to be in there for me and he can he can kick long range goals if he has to so yeah Stuart Hogg for me John you agree with that? Well, I, I'd, I'd written in my second 15 Hastings and now I'm realising I'm not sure which one. Um, 
Because let's let us let us be fair, right? Adam Hastings looked like a very tidy fullback that day at Twickenham. Well, he, he has. He's he played, played, he's played well. fullback a couple of times. Did he play there in the World? He came on the World Cup. I want to say against Samoa, but I might be wrong with that. I think he, he have... started against Samoa, but. No, no, he didn't, no, he didn't talk, start against more talking, talking hog start, hog started, but I think he he certainly came on. I think at fullback during the World Cup at some point. He does, he looks fairly assured back there. Yeah, I think he played there at Bath as well when he was um, when he was down south. He played there a few times. So um, yeah, obviously, I mean, the, the the obvious answer to this question is it's it's clearly Mark. Uh, no, it's sure hog. <laughs> um, just purely from again, you you look at. The impact he's had on the team, he burst onto the scene and from the moment he was wearing a senior Scotland jersey, he looked like man or born. He looked like he could score tries. He covers off your Lions law comfortably as well. And the um, Borders law. And the Borders law. Um, <laughs> and I mean, a Guinness drinking law. I don't know. There's... there's <laughs> I, We've got to the end of it, and there hasn't been any new laws introduced. So, but yeah, I mean, Stuart Hogg for me, it's a shame because in any other world, Gavin Hastings gets in this team, but Stuart Hogg is. I'm going to get as more letters coming. Stuart Hogg's a better player. Yeah, that's. I think that's fair enough. What's interesting now? We've got our fifteen. So we'll go. I'll go through. We've got. Uh, so we started. We've got David Soul, Kenny Milne, uh, Ewan Murray. Scott Murray, Damien Cronin, John Jeffrey, Finlay Calder, uh, Simon Taylor, then our backs, Gary Armstrong, Finn Russell, uh, Sean Maitland on the wing, Pete Horn and Hugh Jones at centre, Darcy Graham on the other wing and Stuart Hogg at fullback. That's a tidy team. Interestingly, nobody on Twitter has got the same team when we've asked <laughs> them to fill. But then nobody on, on Twitter has, has, has played by the uh, rules. Um, David Masters did get hot. He has Hogg and Graham but then he's gone with the centre of Scott Hastings and Gregor Townsend, which is impossible under the rules. Uh, so that instantly rules him out. Um, Finlay McCush uh, went with Gordon Bullock uh, at hooker, even though he hasn't uh, won it. Well, he may have won a Calcutta Cup as a replacement, but it hasn't started. He was on, he was on the bench. He hasn't he started a winning Calcutta Cup match, which was the uh, criteria we were looking for, except for 2019. Uh, interestingly, Finlay White also went with, with Stanger on the wing. Uh, so that's quite interesting. Parks at ten, which I think I think that's a troll. I don't think he means that. Um, we uh, so so it's interesting that a few uh, bit um, a few uh, a few different options there and a few different opinions. So let us know what who who you um, who you've chosen out there. Do get in touch. Put your fifteens on the blog. Uh, dot co dot uk. We don't normally encourage people to put their fifteens on the blog comments because then it just it, it looks ridiculous and it becomes a bit of a ridiculous free for all. So long as you're not picking Dan Parks at ten, feel free to stick your, your fifteen uh, your fifteens <laughs> on 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 the blog comments, uh, and, and we'll be interested to see who you pick. Um, I've got a very quick. Uh, where's Dougie Donnelly? Now it's quite hard to have where's Dougie Donnelly's at the minute because everybody's on lockdown. However, Ian Wallace has got in touch to say that he saw Pietro Tricelli out for a jog on Northbridge in Edinburgh the other week. Uh, so that's good to see. Full kit as well, which was very impressive, I assume, just out on his uh, government-sanctioned exercise. He sent me a photograph <laughs> as well of him giving him a thumbs that'll up. Be a, that'll be a, a, a Richard Cockrell um, requirement, the, the the full kit. Oh, obviously, he's got previous on the old full kit. Um 
in the gym from a previous uh, where's the good only. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if it's an expectation that players can only train in full kit. I would imagine so. Yeah, there was. Um... I think somebody's got in touch to say that they saw Richard Cockrell in say, in his local Waitrose uh, shortly after the lockdown was announced, uh, which led I think it was Edinburgh Rugby then suggested we should do like a we should turn Wes Doody Donnelly in almost like a, a a public service to report people who are breaching the uh, <laughs> breaching the lockdown rules. Um, I for one was. Um, it was Anthony Carruthers got in touch. He said he spotted Cockers in Waitrose on Morningside doing his grocery shopping on Thursday morning. That was um, on the 21st of March. So that was before the lockdown. Um, but he said he wasn't stocking up on toilet paper. I was just amazed that, that Richard Cockrell would shop in Waitrose. I didn't think he would. He seems more of an oldie man. Yeah, not even. I would say he was a straight-up Lidl sort of guy. Yeah, you know, he's not. He's not. Not even. Not even reaching for the Made in Scotland uh, fake Aldi produce. He's straight up German beans and sausage. German beans and sausage in a wetsuit <laughs> and uh, riding gear while he's at it. Yeah, yeah. And, a, and an assortment of drill bits. <laughs> um, we were also we thought we we there's been a bit to catch up on um, news wise. Um, I'm, uh, which surprisingly, um, I think people have um, have just got bored. The powers that be have got bored and decided to kind of like have have various bits of news. So we thought we'd bring back hands in the ruck. Uh, for this week, um, Gary, I'll start with you before I go to Twitter. What, what's had its hands in your ruck recently? Um, probably, as you say, just the the amount of news that people are seem to be perhaps fabricating on social media or uh, things that kind of um, <laughs> seem to have come from nowhere. And also, when the live games have been on, you know, the replay matches the recent weeks. People are still commenting saying why Sons are not playing. I find quite <laughs> <laughs> when it's four years later, um, and yeah, you know the comments section on the YouTube page. You know people are still saying, you know the one the other day when when Scotland played and and Hogg was ruled out in the warm up, and then everyone's saying what a disgrace why is your Hogg not playing? <laughs> Which I, I thought was I'm interesting. So given that gutted. At that he game, was... I'd I'd literally just put a fiver on Hog to get first try scorer, <laughs> and then maybe he was commenting the... on the article. <laughs> <laughs> I might have been, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is rather bizarre. Um, yeah, I guess maybe not so rugby oriented, but uh, two things I'd never heard of until two weeks ago was the word furlough and Zoom. Those two <laughs> things never existed until apparently March the twentieth or something. So. No, I don't. I don't think they did. Um, <laughs> that's the it's the Irish tight head prop and the nickname for Tommy Seymour. Right. <laughs> um, John, what 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 what's had its hands in your ruck? So the, there's obviously the the news uh, today uh, or not today, just in the last couple of days regarding the um, let's say the suggestions for finishing of the Pro 14 season um, and one of the options on the table is a straight shootout between the two current conference leaders um, one of them being of course Leinster which wouldn't be unreasonable and the other one being our lovely friends from across the M8 Edinburgh Rugby um, for me the idea of um, us having to have a winner at the end of this season is ridiculous and 
we'll have put the season on, on hold indefinitely. I think we should just give it up and say, do you know what? We don't need to finish this season. There doesn't need to be a winner. And that's not just because Edinburgh could win it. Because um, <laughs> obviously, if that one-off game was to happen, I would invoke the anyone but Leinster rule uh, and definitely support Edinburgh. Um, obviously, I'd be supporting Edinburgh anyway. But yeah, um, I think it's just a really, really stupid idea. Ah, now, we, they, this is possibly our most... D- the, the most dissent we've ever had in a podcast before because I, I'm going to I'm Quite going to disagree. I'm going to disagree with you, John. It ties Excellent. in. It, it ties into another hands in the rock that we've had, um, it, which which has meant that I can have my own one because this was part of it. Was David Masters got in touch because his hands in the rock uh, is the SIU making an ass of the club season um, because what's happened and and I'll I'll come back to your point on the pro 14 John because I know it's kind of linked uh, you could probably argue the separate but it's also linked is for those that don't know essentially what has happened is the SRU sent out a questionnaire to all the clubs that said here is a range of options for what we do with the rest of the season it was presented to them as a range of options just to gather opinion it wasn't presented as a straight vote. I think there were five options on the um, on the questionnaire. What the SRU then did was they used that to give themselves a mandate to make a decision on how to proceed. I think none of, none of the clubs were made aware that it was going to be used as part of a decision-making process. They just thought they were giving their opinion. And the SRU has used the fact that um, I think over 50% of the clubs, or just over 50%, which again doesn't sound much of a mandate, Voted to end not to to end the season as it is, and not to have any relegation and promotion, and just start again next season. Um, the SRU have said that was the club's choice. I don't think it was because I don't think the clubs realised they were making that choice. And it's I, I, David Masters makes a good point. Not every club wants to stay in the same league, and that doesn't just apply to those being promoted. It can apply to teams that are at the bottom of the table too. A lot of clubs would choose to go down to consolidate and have another crack at it. A lot of clubs don't want will struggle to retain players if every week they're getting absolutely hawked by the opposition and would rather go drop down a level and find their level. Conversely, there are a lot of teams that would like to go up as well. I think there should have been a lot more transparency in how the decision was made. And I mean, I think I've seen it described as Turkey's voting for Christmas as well. I mean, if your club's safe, then of course you're going to say, let's just end it now. So that is going to cover more than 50% of the clubs that are going to want to maintain the status quo. So I I don't think it's a decision that's been taken well. I think it's it, you can kind of acknowledge that we're living in strange times and unprecedented times and at the same time be annoyed by stuff like this. I think players have put their whole, you know, put a whole season in. We're most of the way through the season. There's not many games left to play. There would be ways to resolve this. I think with your point in the Pro 14, John, I think you could I think it's a nice way to draw to to kind of bring some closure to the season. I think there'll always be an asterisk against whoever wins it though. I think that'd be the right way to go with it that you have an asterisk against that club that says it, the full season wasn't completed. But it would bring closure to the season for fans and it would say look these are the two clubs that have put themselves in the best position this season, these are the clubs that have won the most games, or am I, am I missing something, John? Um, well, it is the clubs that have won the most games, but 
again, you're talking about clubs who, you know, fixture lists are not made even. And certain clubs have played, probably played the Italian teams, both the Italian teams um, so far. Other clubs haven't. So, you know, there's still plenty. You know, Edinburgh haven't sewn up that. To be fair, Leinster have sewn up conference conference eight. Right, that's 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 fine. Leinster are are in the final. Whatever, whatever come come, whatever may be. But Edinburgh haven't sewn up that conference, and there's still plenty to play for. Now, the comparison with the the club game, I. I I have two. I have different opinions regarding the club game. I think it's an absolute travesty that they've prevented, as you say, you know, having played in clubs that wanted to be promoted and having played for clubs who, quite frankly, wanted to be relegated. Um, <laughs> you know, it is it is a very difficult position to put clubs in, and I think if there was promotion and relegation at stake in the Pro 14, I would have a different opinion on it. But because there's not and you know, basically the, the European pieces are going to be decided on a kind of arbitrary basis anyway. For me, it it seems like, you know, you're going to have to try and squeeze a showpiece finale in with all the organisation that entails and all the, you know, they're saying they'll hold it at the, the place, um, you know, the highest seed home ground. So that'll be Leinster, another home game for them. Decided by the Irish overlords of the league, you know. Um, not that I'm being cynical. Um, yeah, I said it. Send me tweets. I don't care. Um, yeah, it just it seems like more stress than it would necessarily be worth. As you rightly say, you know, you're going to have an asterisk next to the name no matter what. So let's just write it off and move on. What's your take on this then, Gary? I mean, there's the two issues, I suppose. One is the Pro 14 and the other is the club game. I mean, we've got bigger in the club game threatening, you know, to, to appeal the decision, I think. Was it bigger possible? I might be misremembering. Yeah, I mean, bigger, bigger one, national one. Um, they won it the week before, I think. Um, the sort of lockdown came in. So they'd, they'd already won that, but obviously from the Premiership, uh, relegation hadn't been confirmed yet. So there were sort of mutterings of making that an 11-team league, perhaps, you know, and then but then that would knock on effect down, down all the way. I think it's just... Yeah, it's so complex and all the different leagues. If you look at England with English Championship, they've kind of done it on a percentage basis. Um, whereas the women's game in England, they've kind of just made null and void. Different leagues around the world are making it different. Uh, it's just it's a, it's a hard situation. As you say, I don't know when the clubs were voting what, they, what the premise was. If they, you know, I didn't see the document that they were obviously filling in, but it's, yeah, different leagues. You mentioned that teams might want to go down. I think, I think if you finish bottom in your league, you are now allowed to sort of apply <laughs> apply to go down if that's the right word yeah. um, because teams like you know I know Hoyk Linden finished bottom of East 1 by quite a bit but I believe they want to stay up and, and give it another go but there may be other clubs you know like Dalkeith had won yeah Dalkeith had won East 3 you know so, but all these leagues are so different compared to professional game it's very hard for them but I think just clarity of decision making is, is, is key in all this because there's been since day one of lockdown there's just been rumours and things flying about every different league in the world and I think it would just be just be good if the sort of rule makers could you know of all the leagues could come out at times and be a bit more give a bit more clarity to the whole situation No I think that's probably right I, I think the one the one comment I saw which was uh, it was uh, on, on Facebook I'm not going to say who it was um, because I'll get them into trouble basically saying if if uh, it's it's ironic, isn't it, that the you know the SRU that were threatening at one point to to sue a, a hurricane, 
uh, or a typhoon are quite happy just to close down a league based on a pandemic um, <laughs> and, and make those decisions. You know, if you if the situation was reversed and then Mark Dodson was fighting for Scotland, you know, we've seen what he threatened before in terms of legal action against a weather system. So, uh, yeah, it's different, I think, when you, you're, then, you're then in the position of being the decision maker and having to make these decisions about the league how, how very different your your how how different your opinion can be of these matters, um, but yeah, it's it's one to keep an eye on because I'm not entirely sure that the club debate's over. I think John, you're right with the Pro 14. I think I can kind of see it both ways. If I'm honest, I think you, you end up with you might end up with a slightly meaningful friendly between the yeah. two, and you will end up with an asterisk beside it, whatever happens, because you can never say that, that either team has, has won the league, even if it is Leinster, and they probably probably would have won it anyway. I, I think that whoever, even if they do have some form of final, it's still always going to be tainted with that. Yeah, I mean, so in, in an ideal world, Edinburgh get into that final and win it, and then I spend all of next year going, well, you didn't really win it, though. <laughs> and I, I, I don't, I don't want to be that guy. But I, you I do, be. John. This is like, the thing. I'm, you do want to be that guy. Right now. <laughs> You're just managing just expectations. Right now, like, let it be known. This is what's going to happen, right? Yeah. Um, would you be saying that? To, would you be saying that to Cockers if you met him in Waitrose? Uh, well, I, I, I'm not entirely sure that he wasn't thinking it was a lock-in rather than a lockdown. So, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I mean, I would, I would. Uh, I mean, I'm a wee bit slower than I used to be, and he does look like. I mean, he works out, but I reckon I could I could take him for pace. <laughs> yeah. Um, my hands in the rock finally is Max Evans. Um, <laughs> not, not not Mark Dodson. No, 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 no. no. Dave, Dave David Masters took that for me this week, so that was quite nice for him to 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 chip in with that because it meant I, I could I could get an extra one in. Um, it, it is a strange time at the minute. And I think it's concerning that people in positions of influence and, and even, you know, former rugby players and Dancing on Ice stars are people with influence because people follow them on social media, have, a, a, you know, additional responsibility to make sure that they are spreading accurate information. And Max Evans, for some reason, and, and it may be, you know, it just may be down to the stress of the current situation that we're all living under. It, it makes people do strange things and act in strange ways. But for him to become a full anti-vaccination conspiracy theorist and also believe and also kind of, I think, promoting uh, videos from people who believe that 5G is causing coronavirus is deeply concerning. Because, there, you know, there are going to be people who are feeling stressed and anxious at the moment who are going to pick up on that. And it just perpetuates these complete lies and myths. I mean, one of the videos he posted, it was a woman saying, oh, if there's a higher rate of coronavirus in people who've already had the flu jab. It's like, yes, because anybody that gets the flu jab for free is in a vulnerable group who are more susceptible to coronavirus. <laughs> That's how it works. It's got nothing to do with it's. It's got nothing to do with the fact they've had the flu jab. They got the flu jab because they're vulnerable. They're more likely to get coronavirus because they're vulnerable. That's how it works. Um, I think someone also um, on Twitter I, I retweeted earlier. There was somebody. It was a, a, a scientist, a proper scientist, which is who we should be listening to at these times. Um, said that in order for five G to um, turn into coronavirus, you would almost have to have godlike powers. 
because it would return it would it would require turning radio waves into some sort of like molecular structures so it, it, converting radio waves into organic mor, mod, mo, molecules there's a guy called Dean Burnett he said this is pretty much god level ability and anyone capable of it would be running the planet already which i think I is was, a, i was trying to explain to my wife when when i seen these tweets as she was like he believes what and i was trying to explain to her and if you've seen the the Amazon Prime um, Good Omens TV show with David Tennant um, in it, they, they, there's a scene in that where the the demon travels through the mobile phone network, kind of like through space and time. And we were sort of like, I think that's kind of what they're talking about, like the <laughs> idea of. And, and and then it was like, yeah, but that's we're talking about complete and utter fiction nonsense. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think, and then then she said that Max Evans is just he's. She said, "Oh, that's the squidgy brother of Tom." Yeah, I think the problem is he wants his own pussy cat doll. That's the problem. <laughs> Get him a pussy cat doll, and that'll sort him out. Um, <laughs> that's in reference to Tom. That that's not a sexy thing. Tom Evans is in a relationship with Nicole Scherzinger. I only found that out by checking that Tom Evans wasn't also a conspiracy theorist on his Instagram. He's not. He just seems to be quite happy with Nicole Scherzinger. Um, <laughs> I think it's one of these things that when you when you kind of like go down the the, the rabbit hole of the kind of stuff that that Max Evans is posting and and it, it's all these kind of lifestyle gurus that he's into and I think I get why people are into that and I think on a, on a certain level there is some scientific and psychological basis to what the kind of messages that those guys perpetuate but the, I think there's a very fine line with some of these guys between when it goes from being I'm a lifestyle guru too. This is now a cult. And we're going to start peddling these mad conspiracy theories. And I, unfortunately, I, you know, it seems like like Max has, has fallen to that way. The, the, the last thing he posted was all about how this is going to be an opportunity for a new clean earth or something. Um, worryingly, Stuart Hogg had liked that. But I think I don't think that um, Stuart Hogg is, is going to become any kind of like David Icke-like figure. Um, I think he probably has just been uh, flicking through his Instagram and just hitting like because it's somebody he knows. Um, Stuart was saying as well that he um, he isn't in charge of his um, social media anymore. No, he's not. He so handed, he did so, so it was one of his team. So maybe one of his team is actually a lizard person. Possibly. <laughs> and he's just trying to keep the perpetual. So yeah, it's not... Be very careful. All, all I'll say is don't believe... Every, what You certainly shouldn't believe anything current or ex- professional rugby players say about anything other than rugby and even then son with the punditry is utter rank so i wouldn't even then touch it with a barge full um so it, you're right just briefly on that cameo I mean, you're right that you know at this time when things like this are going on we need to listen to the experts and people are saying oh i heard this where did you read it oh that guy that used to play for the cardiff blues said it you know it's quite bizarre um people need to you also need to take a look at what you're looking at yourself and realize that you know Who's saying it? Ah, a man that used to dance. Right, okay. Yeah. So I think it's a very strange, strange world that we Yeah. Um, for it many is, reasons. No, it is. And I think people are, you know, people are looking for reassurance and people are looking for explanations and reasons and you end up people end up looking in the most strangest of places. And <laughs> yes. you know, you it's it's the classic trope, isn't it, of the of the elderly relative on Facebook just reposting stuff without even knowing where it's from. And it's yes. and that's where I think that's where the danger of, of these things come from is that you know, people will trust people like Max Evans because they like oh. him and he's maybe posted something in the past you know a message that they've that, that's that's rung true with them and 
I think if you find yourself watching a documentary on YouTube, you probably need to ask questions about why it's on YouTube and not on like our proper news. And then the excuse is always, well, well, that's that's the mainstream media. They never tell you the truth. It's like, no, they, they, they have a team of lawyers behind them and they fact check everything. I once met a producer from Mastermind and they have to triple fact check every single question that they ask on Mastermind. Even if they're 100% sure the answer's right and they just look it up, but they have to fact check triple fact check everything in proper textbooks and everything so that's why are it, you saying that's not what you done in the quiz the other week um i couldn't possibly comment john <laughs> um i can't say that the Shocking. the brian moore video i did i did check wikipedia three uh ebay three times to double check the price of that <laughs> brian moore video vhs when we did the prices right but yeah so um that's it for this week i think next week what we're going to do is come back and uh talk about Darcy Graham's dad on Gladiators. I think that's where we're due to go next yes. with this, John. Yes, I'm so excited. I know. Essentially, we're, it's an excuse to talk about Jet. We've talked about this before. We're just going to talk about the Lady Gladiators. So apologies to um, all our female listeners. Um, we'll mention some of the men too. If, in fact, get in touch. But just for the, just to address the balance, if if you're a female listener or, or even a gentleman listener that, that enjoys um, other gentlemen, then let's know who your favourite gladiator was and why, and we'll happily read that out because we don't we want to make sure there's balance on the podcast. We don't want to just be, um, a, you know, three men in their thirties um, reliving their teen- their teenage fantasies. Do you know, amazingly, amazingly, Jet turned fifty this year. Oh, which is quite scary for all of us who. Uh, that's it from us for this week anyway we'll be back next week um, we'll start thinking of some more ideas beyond that because it looks like uh, there won't be any rugby for the foreseeable future we may one podcast may be uh, about what what kind of rugby or, or, or what kind of sport is going to emerge from all of this who knows could be murder ball let's, let's wait and see but for the moment it's goodbye from me and goodbye from John and Gary goodbye cheers